The country of Mali, West Africa, has been described as the most dangerous peacekeeping mission in the world. Located in sub-Saharan West Africa, Mali is a landlocked country and amongst the 10 poorest nations in the world. At the same time, this country has a growing church with strong leadership. Many people from around the world have lived in Mali to do their part to help build the Mali Church. My guest is Malian Pastor Joseph Kamara to explain. Welcome. This is the Unconventional Ministry Podcast, where the conversation is about fresh ideas in ministry, innovative approaches, and collaborative efforts. I'm your host, Dennis Weens, Vice President for Ministry Partnerships at SAT7 USA. My guest is Pastor Joseph Kamara, a pastor in Mali, West Africa, who has just finished nine years as president of his association, his denomination there in Mali, West Africa. So, Joseph, welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thank you very much. You're now vice president for the Association of Churches and Missions in Mali, representing 64 different denominations and mission agencies. Joseph is the international affiliate member of Avant Ministries. And uh, 32 years ago, you were one of my students in the French Bible School there in Mali, West Africa. So, wow, 32 years ago, and here we are together in the U.S. doing a podcast together. Yes, that's right. Joseph is a leader. He has an undergraduate degree from Grace University in Omaha, MDiv, Calvary Seminary in uh, Kansas City. So, Joseph, we want to visit a little bit about your country as I introduce you firstborn son of your father's first wife. And in your culture, people understand that, but the podcast listeners probably don't understand the importance of being the firstborn son of the first wife. Can you explain that? Yes, uh, being the first son of the first wife of your father is very important in our culture. Uh, this means uh, my father would think that one day I would just take over from him whatever he's doing, uh, his religion and everything. Uh, he would think that the first son of the first wife would be the leader after him. So it's very important in my culture. And your faith journey started in college. Mm -hmm. You were uh, studying at the university there in Bamako, Mali. And you heard the gospel. Take us back to that time when you first encountered the gospel. Yes, I was about uh, to finish my uh, schooling in university. Uh, but before that, I had to do some researches uh, about my thesis. And uh, I came across a Christian. But the most important thing was uh, uh, with uh, some pastors in Mali and uh, a missionary we went to my own village. I went with them because uh, it was a free trip. So we went there and uh, they sp stayed there for about three days, three nights, uh, preaching the gospel. I didn't even want to associate with them there. Uh, people were asking me, are you a Christian? No, I'm not a Christian. I just came with them because the trip was free. But after this trip, really, I had heard the gospel already and... Uh, uh, something really changed in my life because uh, I realized uh, that some people have accepted Christ to be saved, but I'm, I'm not saved. I, so I went to see the local pastor and ask him uh, to give me more uh, update on Jesus. 
He thought I was a Christian already, but he took his Bible and uh, shared the gospel with me, and especially focusing on Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, you are saved by the grace of God through faith. It's not by your good works, uh, because uh, in my religion, I was really trusting that one day God is going to have mercy on me and let me to heaven because of my good works. But he read from Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, that you are saved by the grace of God through faith. And uh, I was really prepared already to accept Jesus. So from 1985 till 1986, I was uh, searching, uh, just considering becoming a Christian, but really being the first son of the first wife of your father, it was not easy. But finally, I trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ uh, on the cross for me. Amen. And now you're a leader in the church. And I've heard you mention a number of times that the church in Mali is growing. And we hear about Mali a lot in the news. Yes. But because of the insecurity about the hostilities, Mm -hmm. and yet uh, you're reporting that the church is growing. Mm -hmm. And for many of us here in the West, uh, we don't think of church growth and areas of hostility as going together. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about uh, the church that's growing. What are some of the reasons for that? Some of the reasons the church in Mali is growing, I would say, number one, this church has been planted by missionaries who were rooted in the Word of God and in their faith. So they left with uh, the church in Mali a model to follow, and uh, we kept uh, teaching and to help believers really uh, be rooted in the Word of God, but also it's because of evangelism. Every, every year at the, our annual conference, end of April, we listen to reports from different uh, church districts and uh, uh, people who have come to faith, uh, just newborn uh, believers in Christ, we would hear those reports. So every year we have more than uh, 200 new believers uh, with our, just, that is just with our denomination. And I know there are other denominations in, in Mali, they are evangelizing. So to make this story short, I would say number one reason is evangelism. The church is really evangelizing uh, the enriched people, and that's how the church is growing. But also, uh, knowing the situation in Mali, just like you said, uh, many of those Malians are considering uh, becoming Christians, and if they have the opportunity, either on TV or FM radio stations, they would just turn to Christ. Uh, but so to say, it's not... Uh, If I say the church is growing, it's not believers moving from one church to another, changing churches. It's not that. It is because of evangelism. My folks were one of those that worked for the church in their earlier years. And I know when I left after high school, there was one church in the capital city. Yes. And I was back three years ago, and I asked the pastor that I was with, how many churches in the capital city? And he told me there was something like 100 churches. Uh, not hundred. It's more than hundred. Like with my denomination uh, alone, we have more than 
100 churches uh, in those four districts with uh, the Evangelical Protestant Church of Mali. So uh, we have other denominations. They have a lot of churches in Bamako. So I would say uh, it's more than 200 uh, churches in Bamako now. And that's just in one city. That's the biggest city. Yes, one city. I know one of my projects there was uh, setting up solar-powered FM radio stations. Two solar panels would run a whole radio station, and we set that up for a rural pastor. Uh, also set it up in towns and villages. And I know media plays a very important role, and you're uh, a speaker on many of those radio stations. You're also on television. Uh, talk to us about how important media is for the church. You know, Malians are uh, it's, Malians are people who likes to listen. They like to listen to stories, and radio is a great tool for uh, reaching out to those rural areas. Uh, sometimes you cannot go to all those places, but wherever you cannot go, the signals of your FM station will reach those places. And we get calls from places telling us that they are listening to us. It's just amazing uh, to see that uh, the radios are reaching to those areas. So uh, in these times of difficulties, as you said, in Mali, we hear about uh, some negative things about Mali, but the church uh, is growing also because of uh, media, I would say. So media is very important. Uh, you can be in your room, nobody is there with you, you can listen to the radios or you can watch TV. So these are great tools for people to hear the gospel wherever no evangelist had been there uh, physically, uh, personally, but the media is helping people to accept Christ. I know one pastor was telling me it was like uh, in his solar-powered FM radio station, uh, he was telling me it's like he has a pastor in every town because as he talks in his town, about 30 towns around him. So he said it was like having a pastor in every town. That's true. And uh, that's why we have evangelism on the radio, but we have all, also, also discipleship programs. We even have a trauma healing programs on those FM stations. So it's like uh, we are in one city, but we are reaching out to many places because of media. I know another pastor was telling me that uh, because of insecurity and the hostility, he can't really go from village to village, town to town like he used to, especially late in the afternoon, evenings, he can't travel. But he said the radio knows no fear. That's true. No barrier, no fear, no challenge at all. Uh, the only challenge could be the quality of the, those batteries uh, powering uh, the radio station. If you have good batteries, uh, for sure, no fear at all in with those uh, FM stations. Very good. It's interesting. I'm sure you have a lot of stories about radio. Um, does this one particular story come to mind? Yeah. Uh, just one day I was just sitting. I did not even know that there uh, our radio FM station in Bamako, the capital city, was reaching out way to that village. Somebody called me and said, really, we listen to you. Uh, this was a believer. He said the question answered helped us to grow in our faith, even though we are old uh, in the church. We grew up basically in a Christian environment, but those uh, answers 
in your program help us really. It's, it's helping us to grow in our faith. Another guy just called and said, how can I, how can I meet you? Where are you? And again, he was in a uh, rural village. He said, I would like to meet you because I was listening to you. Really, where are you? He gave the name of his uh, town. Oh, then uh, the signals are reaching those. He said every week we listen to you. Almost every day we are listening to your radio station. So can, can I meet you? Oh, so we had an appointment with him. When he came, he just turned to Jesus Christ as his personal savior. So we have many stories. We hear about those uh, almost every week uh, for our programs. People would say, uh, we listen to you. We know what you are saying is true. We have been hearing it before, but uh, you kept repeating it. It is the same truth that is coming out of your mouth. So it's worth believing what you are saying. Very good. And I know you're a new uh international affiliate member of Avant, Avant Ministries. Yes. They were one of the first mission agencies in the country. Yes. But a new model in, in missions is that they're turning their assets there in the country over to the national church, and you're going to steward those resources now of land, of you know properties, yes. of registrations, mm-hmm. and other things. You're going to steward that uh, as a church. Yes. Uh, so that's a great model. So if you want to learn more, go to avantministries.org. And search for Molly. That's M A L I. Search for articles. Uh, you can f- learn more about Joseph Kamara's uh, ministry there. And also, there's a website, Molly Church Legacy, where we celebrate the past and help the church prepare for the future. And that's again, M A L I, Molly Church where you can get more information as well. Uh, what are some ways that uh, people can come alongside the church? Uh, I know you have a lot of projects. I know you're building a church. Your church was built for about 300 people. And yes. back in the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. that was a large church. And, and the missionaries at that time never imagined that the church would outgrow a church that could seat th- uh, 300. But you've torn that church down now, and you're building a new church. Tell us about that new church. Yes, we are building a new church because uh, the f- first one built for 200, 300 people got very small. Uh, and so the new one we are building now sits 1,500 believers. And uh, we started that in 2012. And somebody may ask, okay, from 2012 till now, you have not finished it. Because we are doing that on our own. Uh, The first Sunday of every month, we would ask each believer, besides the tithing and offering, to give the price of one cement brick, which is like a dollar, but most people would give more than uh, $1. But that's how we have been building this church that sits 1,500. The church is built. It's covered. The next step is to put the windows and the doors on it. And then another step is going to be to plaster, put fans and uh, electricity in it. So that's how we are doing because, as I said, the church is growing. And you haven't waited to get funding. You started funding it yourself by everybody participating, yes. uh, by everybody uh, supporting it one brick at a time. Mm-hmm. And as you get a couple bricks together, yes. uh, then you build another segment of the church. So it's a great model as well. Yeah. Yeah. And even while you're building your own church, 
you've actually planted several other churches, yes. and you've helped them build their churches, putting your own building project on hold yes, while yes. you've built some other churches. Mm -hmm. That's a great model, too. Yeah, because in our culture, we say that uh, uh, even if your house is on fire, and your neighbor's house also your neighbor's house catches fire it's okay to leave your house on fire and go help your neighbor so that's good neighborship uh, neighborhood uh, that's why our daughter churches they also look up to us and say yes we know you are having this big project a church that sits 1,500, but we'd expect you to help us. So sometimes we would just pause and uh, help them with a little bit to help, help them uh, move in their building project. So we have to help them because we are the mother church, and that's why we have to help those daughter churches, and that's how it works. And so how many daughter churches does your church have now? The Church of Toro Korobugu has uh, more than seven daughter churches now. Uh, we have the Church of uh, uh, Bakojikoroni, Asai West, Bakojikoroni Gulf, Kalabankoro uh, that grew. It became a Kalabankoro, maybe even also 400 to 400 believers now. But we have uh, Banko, we have uh, Turela, we have Kuruba. So these are places related to Turukurubu Church, and these are daughter churches. And, and you still, we have a, a program for planting churches. We are thinking about some villages we really would like by 2024 to have believers in those villages. And you travel a lot, and what's happening at your church with building the church yourselves as at the same time starting new churches. Yes. Uh, there's many examples of churches building bigger facilities because churches are really full. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, talking about churches being full, uh, this is not just talking about one denomination. Wherever you go in Mali, the first thing the pastor would tell you is, we are building a new facility because the old one is too small for us now. That's very encouraging, but also it's challenging because uh, we have to focus also not only on evangelism, but on discipleship. So those uh, churches full with uh, Christians uh, could be rooted in their faith and in the Word of God. My guest is Pastor Joseph Kamaram, and you could learn more about his ministry by going to avantministries.org and search for Mali. That's M-A-L-I, the country in sub-Saharan West Africa. You can also go to malichurchlegacy.com to learn more about the ministry there as well. So, Joseph, it's great having my former student from 32 years ago. Yes. And uh, just uh, pray for you all the time and what God is doing through you yes. and the ministry there uh, with the church and giving leadership and helping the, the church navigate very difficult times. Yes. And it's exciting to see how God is blessing your church there. Yes, please pray for Mali, the country of Mali, and pray for the church. In our changing world, there are more ways than ever to do ministry. SAT7, as a broadcast media ministry, is changing how ministry is done. Through innovative approaches, collaborative efforts, broadcast satellite television, web streaming, and social media, SAT7 is making a difference. Visit SAT7 online today at sat7usa.org. 
to learn ways you can be a part of this kingdom work. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. If you know of an unconventional ministry approach, please introduce us. We'd like to have them on as guests. Thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast.